Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Philosophy Corner with me, Maya TC, and Daniel McElhaney. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you. Uh, so, we know that the Prime Minister went to America this week and he met with uh, Biden, the whole gang and the other leaders and you know, had the speech at the UN. Um, a couple of stuff happened. Firstly, the, the Boris is focused on green crap and the environment stuff. And it's kind of some people are pro, some people are against the way he did it. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the main focus was also on their, their special relationship, you know, Biden, Boris, America, Britain. And uh, it's kind of interesting. I want to take your kind of uh, get your perspective on this because you, in terms of your career and what you do in politics, uh, you know, you got big because, you know, you commented a lot on American politics as well. Um, special relationship as a, as a terminology is very fixed, uh, as in uh, people assume that, you know, it's always the same. But depending on presidents and prime ministers and depending on time, it's not always the same, is it? No, I mean, absolutely not. The special relationship was really sort of cemented, I suppose, in, in the modern terminology in, in the 1980s with Reagan and Thatcher. And they had a particularly close relationship, mainly because they shared a philosophical outlook um, in terms of governance. Uh, it's certainly been rocky since, uh, you know, everyone knows, of course, Bush, uh, Bush, Bush and Blair uh, had a particularly strong relationship. Trump, a less strong relationship with uh, with Boris and uh, seemingly Biden, an mm. even less strong relationship yeah. than, than Trump had. Um, Obama and, and Cameron had a fairly close relationship, mm. you know. So, yes, no, absolutely. It's fluctuated over time. Mm. Um, Britain has had you know, its involvement in the United States has changed drastically yep. in the last, well, 400 years. You know, it's changed, it has changed at, yeah. at different points very yep. radically. Does it matter? Because um, one of the issues we had was um, yesterday or a couple of days ago when um, the Boris and Biden were in the Oval Office and uh, at the end of the, you know, the talks and everything, uh, Boris decided to take a couple of questions from Harry Cole and a couple of British journalists and uh, apparently the Biden administration, they don't like to be held to account that they, they were not planning to take any questions from journalists. Uh, so afterwards, uh, the press secretary and everybody kicked off saying that uh, it's just the way uh, she did it. Um, coming out to say very passive aggressively uh, from the White House saying, we have a special relationship with the UK and we respect Boris Johnson, but that was not part of the plan. Essentially, they, they started to tell him off publicly in front of the whole world saying that we are america you have to do what we say and boris taking questions we are not happy with it um it kind of makes you think because they're post world war ii uh, because we had to go to america for help and you know, get more money and uh, we were despite the history behind it america became the boss and you would assume that especially reagan and thatcher and onwards it became at least equal but right now i think we're going back to the point of you know the world thinks that america you know, it obviously does, you know, call, call all the shots and we have to just say yes to them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, Biden in particular is, uh, has acted a bit like a petulant child in, in, in this particular instance. Um, and I don't think that's um, out of character for him, really. I think yeah. he's probably quite insecure in his presidency um, and is seeing the waning power that the United States has with mm. bated breath, really. Mm. Um, because, you know, all empires fall, if history has yeah. taught us anything, it's taught us that. And uh, eventually the West's power uh, will fail and probably cede to the East. Yes. Um, yeah. In terms of, I mean, it's very, 
it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, America has um, certainly the, the, the biggest or, or the most wide reaching hard power uh, yeah. anywhere in the world. And so there is a sense in which we as a nation and, and every other nation really are, are bound to their whims. Yeah. But in the same way, um, Britain has remains uh, with a lot of soft power, particularly in thanks thanks to the monarchy. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a public um, display almost of that when whenever um, a president comes and meets with Her Majesty and has to obey a certain set of principles um, that that you know even even the American presidents uh, hold to. But yeah, um, you're absolutely right. We since the war have relied upon America, the United Nations is funded by America, and so they sort of rely upon them. NATO is funded in large part by America. Um, there does remain, I think, a special relationship, but tensions are always strained when particular persons come into office. And, and as much as politics should be above the individual, yeah. uh, it's often not. Yeah. I mean, I think you're spot on. I mean, on the other hand, um, you're right that the special relationship or the relationship still exists. And uh, let's not forget it exists because of France. Uh, we, someone has to have some sort of alliance against the French causing trouble, hence the five eyes and everything like things like that. And mm. that's why the new defense pact between Australia, UK and US is Macron who's kicking off because, uh, you know, he doesn't want to be spied upon. But, you know, what we have to, <laughs> you can't trust the French. But on the other hand, jokes aside, you have this situation where um, Brexit and Brexiteers voted to have the you know, independent Britain and global Britain. But then there is a divide on the, on the political right in, in that sense, uh, whether on the issue of intervention, as we've discussed before, uh, some people on the right are, yeah, maybe call them neocons, but you, know, you don't have to really call them neocons. There's you know, different branches, the people who would do humanitarian intervention and the ones who you know, could be Brexiteers and Trumpians, but they're actually isolationists when, when it comes to intervention. So in terms of they don't want us to be hard powers, but they still want us to be soft powers. How can Britain right now um, become, because America is essentially withdrawing from the world, hard and mm. soft. Uh, how can, because I think we, someone has to, and I think we are still technically speaking when it comes to soft power, uh, the second the most successful after America, because the, you know, the second hard power is China, as you would say. Mm. Um, but is there, is there a way for Britain to be global Britain by not essentially creating this heated debate to alienate both sides because if, if if Britain goes completely interventionist are we going to be ruling the world again some some people would just be completely angry and if they completely withdraw and say we don't want to do free trade or anything like that then some other people would get angry is there a solution to how we should rule the world these days right now because we don't know what we're supposed to be doing absolutely I mean well we can't for a start we can't rule the world with hard power anymore we don't yeah. have the resources or, or you know the army to do that um you know so that's sort of off the table in terms of british influence across the world i think um, most people would want britain to have um an interest in the way in which the world is is run and the the direction in which the world is heading uh heading sorry Mm. um and i i think you know these kind of deals that we've made uh, with america and australia are perhaps the best start um, uh, securing and maintaining our monarchy yeah. is a really important thing because it's a distinctive and it's a, a distinctive that the rest of the world recognize 
and admire, really, as much yeah. as um, a lot of people might like to denigrate the monarchy. Mm. It is a symbol of continuity. It's a symbol of power, and it's a symbol of institution. You have to remember, America has been a nation for 300-odd years. The last time Britain was invaded was a 1,000 years ago. Mm. I mean, that's an, that's an extraordinary level of continuity. We have the oldest operating political party anywhere in the world, the oldest universities in the world, the oldest uh, continuing line of monarchy in the world. We, you know, and, and it's that continuity, that sort of, I guess, uh, national maturity yeah. that is that needs to be displayed mm. combined with trade deals, yeah. um, military deals, uh, protection deals, as yeah. you say, Five Eyes, things like that, NATO, these um, these security deals yeah. that can really uh, cement Britain as maybe not the primary player in the world, but certainly a very strong influence yeah. um, in in the the corridors of international power. Influence definitely, um, but on the yeah on the issue of uh, ruling the world, yeah, because I'm I'm in a kind of a group of people who think, especially now, the way governments work. The less intervention in terms of us trying to rule, rule, like rule the world or get involved, actually, the better. Because the more we do it, the more mistakes we make. And the more we get involved with the world, then the more expectations they have from us. For example, they say, well, because you are Britain, you're ruling the world. You need to open your doors to all the people from other countries who come in. You have to give them more aid and investment. You have to invest in all this stuff that because, you know, you, you were there. So you have to obviously, you know, give more money to Pakistan and India. Even though they're going to waste that money, just going to have to do it. And also take all the migrants. So it's a bit right right now. And I think that's why Trump as a movement worked, because the, the concept of America first is not necessarily some sort of xenophobic, uh, we're going to close the door to the world and we're going to just America. But it's, for once, you know, just like in the past, we're going to prioritize the nation first. We're still going to have allies. We're going to cooperate. Uh, but because we've gone way too you know, global, well, being, being globalist, then we, it's best to kind of slightly uh, withdraw back to then to kind of look after your own country first and then your neighbours, allies, and then the rest of the world. Do you agree with that? Uh, yes, I do, actually. I think, um, I think, well, I think there needs to be a balance struck. Yeah. So I think we would all agree that there are times where uh, nations that are more powerful and nations that are, are wealthier and have a more sort of stable system of governance need to intervene in those that are less powerful, less wealthy, and less stable. Mm -hmm. So we've discussed this on this program before, but the, the, the prime example of that, of course, is World War II. And Britain was absolutely right to, to go to war with Germany over their treatment of uh, Jews and others within the nation and within uh, the other nations that they were, they were occupying at the time. And so there are definitely times where we do need to intervene. However, we can't set ourselves up as America has done uh, historically, particularly in the Bush era, as um, the world's police, mm. police people, policemen, police people, whatever, um, because it doesn't work, because it is based on this, uh, frankly, fanciful notion that, number one, everyone wants democracy, and number two, everyone can do democracy. Yeah. It's it's this idea that uh, we said, you know, I've mentioned it before again on this show, but um, there's this sort of concept of a mercurial force called democracy, which if only it is unleashed, uh, will spread and bring harmony to the world and everyone will be floating around, you know, kissing butterflies and wearing 
flowery dresses, right? Which is not true. Um, in yeah. fact, the vast majority of the world don't really seem to want or be able to do democracy. Uh, and so we have had a tendency to go into countries which are poorly governed, but not necessarily um, countries where there is a dictator that is daily torturing yeah. masses of the population or slaughtering masses of the population or has any um, sort of ideas toward world domination and removing that dictator in the hope that it'll set up a democratic state. Yeah. And in the end, it being replaced with a far worse situation that we feel unable to deal with. And then we just sort of leave people to it. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't work. It hasn't worked. I think this is why um, the the outlook that the, the American government or the state and the British state have had has slightly changed, especially since Iraq, but especially since Obama and Cameron, uh, because uh, Obama and Cameron were kind of the last kind of couple of the, the, the leaders who were still would have like done and did a bit of intervention actually didn't work really. Probably mm. Libya could have actually worked perfectly. Just there were a lot of issues with Libya, uh, but then they but they still wouldn't really do complete intervention. Uh, because of what happened with Iraq. Just but th briefly, things are changing. just on that yeah. Libya point, the, yeah. the, the thing about Libya is Colonel, Maga uh, Colonel Gaddafi was educated in this country. Yes. Um, two years before we, you know, the We're West went to war with him, he was camping on the White House lawn, giving yeah. speeches on, on his third-way economics. Yeah. <laughs> Bush did a fantastic job of, of, frankly, creating an enemy out of him. I mean, yeah. he wasn't... He certainly wasn't the worst. Well, you could have contained him as a monster. This whole Frankenstein monster, monster sort of situation, um, it just got out of hand. Sometimes I, I kind of agree how things happened in the past with us, you know, propping up dictators and puppets. But if you had done it, and now that you've done it, try your best to contain it. Like we're doing it technically without saying it. We are doing it with Assad. You know, obviously the prime minister cannot publicly go out and defend Assad. But the British state and the Americans essentially... They, they are containing him because they're like, okay, we can't really get rid of him. It's actually better to keep him there. He's also one of us. He was educated here. And he's, you know, he, he's, a, he's one of the good evil dictators. So it's best to contain him because otherwise chaos will happen in Syria. It's just one of the situations. You're absolutely right. And my last point to you is everything's gone, well, it's very different. Trump left, but Trump could come back. And let's just say hypothetically, if the Trump movement goes well and comes back, considering... I know that there's always diplomacy and, you know, in terms of PR, um, politicians have to get along and all that. But when Trump, the way Trump left and the way the, the global leaders, including our prime minister, Boris Johnson, essentially um, moved away from him and said, yeah, Trump, bad guy, he should go. And all the protests outside in Capitol Hill, oh, yeah, bad, it's all uh, Trump's fault. It's a, is it not going to be a bit difficult for this special relationship if Boris is prime minister and Trump comes back as president? Because, you know, Trump could just be like, Boris, a few years ago, you stabbed me in the back. <laughs> so Britain could go away. Do, what, what do you think is going to happen there with the relationship? Well, number one. Secondly, actually, I think Trump is the sort of person that, um, although he's quite bombastic, doesn't really hold a grudge. Yeah. So I think he'll get up there, he'll make um, a comment, and then that, that'll be that. And yeah. um, he, he likes Britain. He's made that clear. He likes the Queen. Um, he likes Boris Johnson. Uh, you know, he likes the British way of doing things. I don't think uh, he, he has a lot of investment here as well. You know? I don't think that he would um, yeah. turn against the special relationship. I don't think he thinks it would be in his best interest, and his advisors certainly wouldn't either. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's yeah. To be fair, he's quite um, practical. Hence why you know he was in business. You know, this despite his rhetoric, you know, he's a he knows how to kind of be a real estate guy. You know, my issue is how would the Brits deal with him? It's going to be quite tricky, but it's just one of those things because right now the way things have gone the last couple of days made me question the special relationship right now uh, because mm. uh, Boris Johnson. To be fair, I know, <laughs> you know that I'm a big fan of Liz Truss. Uh, and, and, and you know you you have kind of your views and you see you want to wait to kind of see for example how she would do as foreign sec you know then you could decide but i'm just saying sure. if for example Listras proves us you know the, and it's just, you know show a good foreign sec she could be a good leader and, and when it comes to the international stage but because right now boris johnson i expect him to be that kind of global kind of on the global stage be that strong leader even macron is a good international stage global leader. He represents France quite well on the international mm. stage. Sometimes you know he's a crybaby, but you know that's what the, you know that's what the French want. You know and they, they want uh, that kind of revolutionary liberté sort of uh, president because you know just like how domestically the French will go and burn cars every time there's a tax rise, they want the, uh, the president to also kick off if there is a you know some sort of betrayal mm. against France. Uh, but the Brits. That I think the problem that we have, I mean, we could discuss this in another episode in terms of the, the British political system. The prime minister is not head of state. Uh, so that, that kind of father figure or mother figure is actually coming from the crown. But because the monarchy, constitutional monarchy is now completely withdrawn from politics, then we don't really have that parent figure. Uh, so, you know, the prime minister is not really supposed to be uh, the, the figurehead in that sense. It's just the head of government. So I think that's where we're kind of lacking right now. I mean, Thatcher did a quite you know good job, but even the palace had some issues with Thatcher. Like, hang on, hang on, Margaret, you're not the queen. You know that, right? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you're right, but I think that's wonderful, really. Mm. Um, what we're seeing um, in the special relationship and the recent degradation thereof is um, personality, basically. It's it's a matter of Boris doesn't particularly get along with Biden and Biden doesn't particularly get along with Boris. The good thing about um, the constitutional monarchy is that uh, the, the sort of stability is always there, no matter who's in charge, yeah. uh, because they're not really in charge, even though they sort of are. But there's something that always transcends politics, always transcends um, the divisive partisan nature that that is innate within politics. Yeah. And something that we can theoretically and really should unite around, which is um, the crown and, and yeah. the stability. Are we used I mean, we, to anymore, then. Yep. We, we really did. And we really should. Um, once again, and I hope, you know, next year, of course, we'll have the um, platinum jubilee. Um, and hopefully that'll be a time where people can really unite. Yeah. Around and, the you know, post, post COVID and hopefully uh, the economy could grow again. And that could be. The, the the 20s comeback you know hopefully and we could unite behind uh, the crown and you know hopefully we'll have some good news back you know by then anyway but it's going to be one of those uh, situations i'm glad we're kind of ending it on a, a happier note hopefully hope on the note of hope so uh, we're going to go to daniel to see if he has any wise words about the future and uh, it's, it's whether it's their special relationship or you know what's going to happen to the country <laughs> Wise words about the future. <laughs> oh my! See, we're talking oh, give about a, give advice to Biden and Boris. I can't give like a, a pithy bit of wisdom for your daily life around uh, the special <laughs> relationship. I don't know. Go out and hug an American. That's my wisdom for the hug, day. Hug an American. Hug an American. Hug, an, <laughs> hug a hoodie. Hug an American. Brilliant. On that note, thank you so much, guys, for watching. Uh, I am going to be. Well, by the time you watch this, actually, I am in Croatia so um, yeah, it's pre-recorded so I'm flying to Croatia so I'll be filming Globalist. the rest of the week
from Croatia. Thanks again, Daniel, and I'll see you guys in the next episode.